0: This is Money Honestly, a podcast by Caché. I'm your host, Denita Tsekova. This is Martha Gimbel, a labor economist and manager of economic research
1: at Schmidt's Future. I think the thing that's really hard with these numbers is it's almost impossible to compare them to, frankly, anything. They are so big. They are such a big jump. And it's really unlike anything that we've seen before in the data. And so, you know, people talk about where we are relative to the great financial crisis, where we are relative to past recessions in modern history. And, you know, everyone always wants to make that comparison. And at this point, it's really almost impossible to do so. Uh, If you look at the graphs from Friday, looking at that data, so many of them, frankly, just look like a data entry error because they're so outside the bounds of what we've seen before that if you didn't know what was going on, you would think that something was wrong with the data. And so that makes it really hard to provide context for people because it's just so overwhelmingly bad.
0: And I mean, I know the numbers, but just for our listeners, can you brief us on the unemployment rate and the number of unemployment claims? Where does that really leave us at the moment?
1: Yeah. So the unemployment rate came in just below 15%. One of the things that was really scariest about the report is that the Bureau of Labor Statistics itself said that they felt that that number was an undercount because it looked like there were too many people who were mistakenly identifying themselves as employed but absent from work rather than unemployed. And, you know, the Bureau of Labor Statistics doesn't change people's answers if they feel that they've made a mistake in answering the survey. But if you account for those possible mistaken answers, the unemployment rate then rises to over 19%. So that is an sort of unspeakably high number, right? So for context, the this survey and this data was gathered around April 12th. And by April, you know, around that, by mid-April, we were already at an unemployment rate that was approaching 20%. And so that's just really hard to contemplate and think about what that means for, you know, workers, for their families, for businesses, and for all of us moving forward. And, and
0: we see now the discussion really shifting to how, how many of those layoffs and furloughs are actually going to become uh, permanent. And I, I've heard percentages like 42% and stuff like this. I guess, what's your take on that? And how, how
1: do you see things changing in the next few months? I mean, I think this is the real tragedy of all of this, right? Is that, you know, so many people did identify their job loss as temporary. And certainly people who are identifying themselves as employed but absent from work assume that their job loss is going to be temporary. And so I I think it's really important for us to remember that so much of the job loss that becomes permanent didn't have to happen. That there is this potential for people to go back to the employer's that they were working with before. But if those employers can't survive, if we can't come up with a way for those employers to reopen in a way that's safe um, and where consumers feel safe consuming those services again, then a lot of these job losses are going to become permanent. And I think that that is a really, really scary future.
0: And so far, which is the industry
1: um, being hit the hardest? And I guess why? I mean, leisure and hospitality has just been absolutely devastated. That is an industry where it's really hard to do a lot of jobs in that industry if you are not face-to-face. So if you look at the unemployment rate for workers in that industry, it's approaching 40%. That's the number that's just almost impossible to contemplate. One thing I do want to point out though, is that it's not like there are industries that are really immune to this. So if you look at the broad-based industries, you know, it, it was just across the board things were hit. You know, if you look at, for instance, unemployment in financial services, that is an industry that generally has relatively low unemployment. And its unemployment rate now is at around 5%. But that's up from 2% a year ago. So, even for an industry where the unemployment rate has remained quote unquote low, it's still a big increase for workers there. There's something called the Diffusion Index, which measures how many industries are actually able to add jobs in this environment. And it's in single digits. There are almost no industries that are really managing to push through this. The only industry in April that managed to add jobs in substantial numbers was general merchandise stores. That's it.
0: And going back to the uh, leisure industry and really hospitality, we're, what happens to places like Vegas and Nevada? And going back to the discussion of how many of those jobs will actually, how many of those layoffs will transition to permanent ones? How do you see things changing there? Uh, do you see many people going into permanent layoffs, is, Is there any other way for them to find jobs in a state like Nevada?
1: I think it's, you know, it's going to be really hard to tell because part of it is going to depend on consumer behavior. Are people going to want to walk into a casino? Is that an activity that they're going to choose to engage in? You contrast this with, you know, for instance, the healthcare industry, which has had job losses because people aren't going to their doctor's offices right now. But at some point, people are going to have to go to the doctor. There's only so long that you can put off care for. They're going to have to go to the dentist again. You don't have to walk into a casino. You don't have to walk into a movie theater. And so it's a real question for that industry of whether or not consumers will feel safe coming back in and whether the industry can take actions to make those consumers feel safe and whether they will be able to have a profitable business model under those actions they're taking. So for instance, in restaurants, if you can only operate safely at 50% capacity, it may just be that the profit margin is too low.
0: Okay. And my last question is really about applying for employment benefits, because most of people I spoke to have had really difficult times and it's taken them three to four weeks, uh, they've been on the phone all day to actually get to, s- to speak to someone. What's your take really of the unemployment benefit situation at the moment? And w- what kind of insight do you have into it?
1: I mean, first of all, I will say to people who have been trying to get through, please do not get discouraged and keep applying. That being said, you know, I think what you're seeing is what happens when we do not invest in our government infrastructure over the long run. Our unemployment insurance system, just the nuts and bolts of it, has not been a priority for a really long time. And when you don't invest in government infrastructure, it's not going to be there for you at the moment when you most need it. And that's really what we're seeing with the unemployment insurance system.
0: This is Bill McCracken. He is the president of Phoenix Synergistics a market research firm? Uh, maybe first start with personal bankruptcies. Um, we're seeing, uh, what are we seeing now? And how do you think it's different from what happened in 2008, 2009?
2: Right. I, I think, you know, the, the biggest difference that, that I think individuals have to understand, and, and maybe this is a little bit of, of hope for them in the midst of very trying times for many people, is that in 2007, 2008, that recession lasted and economists kind of debate the length, but somewhere around four, five, you know, six years even. the the So the effect lasted for quite a long time. Now, the things like unemployment rate, uh, people that were furloughed did not reach the levels that we have today, but it was a very long term. I mean, people lost their homes and, the, you know, the, the the economy was not picking up very quickly. So there was a, a sense of hopelessness because of the, the length of time that it took for for the economy to get back. <clears throat> Today, we, we kind of have a different situation in that the expectation, I think, by most people is that this is not going to last anywhere near that. You know, the, the very positive Outlook would say that maybe in two, three months, you know, we'll we'll really be coming out of this, and even more the negative ones are looking at sometime early in 2021. So we're we're looking at maybe you know at worst case scenario six to eight months, best case scenario maybe two, three months to to really get back. And so you know, I, I think for someone that right now has been uh, laid off or, or furloughed. They probably have a reasonable expectation that, in a very short term, they could be getting that job back, or maybe a similar job elsewhere, because the economy, you know, will pick up very quickly. In two thousand seven, two thousand eight, not only was was your possible that you were laid off or that you took a cut in salary, um, or it, it, but that all industries were reacting that way. And so you couldn't, you could not find kind of a safe harbor in another type of industry. I think today, you know, most people I think would agree that some industries have been harder hit and will come out of this more slowly. Maybe the travel industry, hospitality, but there's others that will pick up very quickly. So that would be, I think, in general, my, my my sense of where we are, and I guess a little bit of a message of hope to those that are, are suffering economically right now. As, you know, s- some individuals have already, you know, headed the way of a personal bankruptcy because the, they were probably laid off, had some debts that were just too overwhelming to them and chose personal bankruptcy. And, you know, that is a tool that our are. Our, 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 our laws allow us to do whenever the the income is just not there and the debts appear crushing. And so if you've had to go that route, I mean, I you know, it's something that you you kind of get behind you. In general, uh, companies that extend credit, you know, the, the actual bankruptcy is wiped out after seven years from your credit report. But. But companies in general that extend credit typically, if you start making payments on your debt, you know you get back on your feet in six months and start paying on an auto loan, on a home loan, on a credit card. Within a few years, they will view you as credit worthy again and extend credit to you. So, you know, my only, you know, kind of a small cautionary uh, uh, comment would be: Yeah, for the next few years, kind of plan your financial life within the absence of credit. But maybe in that twenty-four month type time frame, you can probably start opening up a, a little bit of of credit type of vehicles to you. You know, if you're again, you know, a lot of people. I think are the latest unemployment rate was around fifteen percent, over twenty million. You know, out of jobs and furloughed. Again, my my sense is that. Those will be coming back sooner rather than later, many of those jobs. So I would say hang in there. You know, we've, we've set up, our government has set up some uh, pretty generous unemployment payments compared to what was available, you know, just a year ago. So take advantage of that. I mean, if, 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 you have, if you're out of a job or been furloughed, file if you haven't and take advantage of that and that can last several months and hopefully that'll tide you to the point where the positions uh, start opening back up.
0: And how can we compare that? Now there are stimulus checks, there are pretty generous unemployment benefits, as yep. like you said. Where does that, if we consider that's kind of a shorter recession or financial crisis, where does that leave people? Is that really moving the needle for them? Is it Does it have a much better impact on them?
2: Right. You know, and it, 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 that's, a, that's a good question because in the 2007, 2008 recession, there really was no government help this was a, and and I guess the viewpoint was that this was a financial meltdown. It was the the overpricing of, of real estate and speculation and a number of reasons. So the government didn't really step in as aggressively as they have today because they recognize we caused this because of this pandemic. We had to put everything to the stop. So I think as an individual today versus 2007, 2008, you're much better off because there were no stimulus checks back then. There was no generous unemployment benefits. There were the same unemployment benefits that were always available. And that has been ramped up. So I think you're in a better position. And I think hopefully those whose jobs uh, were kind of a little unsure whether they would continue have put those stimulus checks just aside to kind of help pay for groceries and utilities many landlords are offering are, are offering rental kind of forbearance and so they they're allowed to you know kind of skip payment this month or next month and and I think that's that wasn't available back then back then you lost your home
0: there's some kind of stimulus relief in 2008
2: too there was a small stimulus there was a smaller stimulus help given to to consumers it was nothing like this year i'm uh, forgetting the exact amount but it, you know right now i think it's uh, up to 1200 an individual yeah. you know couples can get 2400 it wasn't anything that generous so there was a little something that again remember the 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 stimulus that was given to individuals then had a last four or five plus years, you know, during a very tough recession. Today, hopefully these stimulus checks are helping tide you over six months. And, you know, again, you know, $1,200 for an individual, it's tough on on six months. That's still, but it's better than saying those $1,200 stretch it out over five years, which would mean nothing, you know, essentially. So, Again, I think we're a little better off today uh, because of the government help, but also because I think the sense of most people, this is going to be by quickly. It's it's tough right now. I mean, 15% unemployment is, and 20 million out of jobs is horrible if you're in it. It doesn't feel good. But I, I think they need to kind of, uh, I, I guess... Individuals that are in that position need to kind of remember, or, and and the perspective, of the 2007, 2008 is it's entirely different. That back then it was the financial markets had kind of you know caved and 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 broken apart. Today it's not. I mean, the it, the, the financial system is working fine. It's just that we kind of had to freeze everything, and yeah. you know, right now we're starting to unfreeze. We're all keeping our fingers. Crossed it, you know, in a month or two, you know, we'll be back to maybe 80%, 90% of where we were. So that's the hope, you know, to it. But again, if you're unemployed right now and trouble, you know, having trouble making your bills, you're just thinking about tomorrow, you know, not two months down the road. And so I understand how it's difficult and could be depressing.
0: And what about the perspective on cashing out your 401k or just retirement savings and burning through your savings? Do you think that's right. kind of 2000, 2007, 2008 was more critical when it comes to that.
2: Yes, it, it was, and again, I, I think the the long longer term nature of that crisis led a lot of people. You know, they for six months or twelve months they tried to make do on savings, or but eventually they started looking to their 401ks, and I think. I, I, because the expectation that that today's crisis is going to be much less you know much more short shorter term I would discourage people to to touch their their 401ks I know you know when you burn through savings it, there's a pile of money there but that I, and particularly for younger people who have put money aside in their 20s and 30s that that money is just not you know as an example a thousand dollars sitting there for example but if you keep that there until retirement, that thousand dollars that you're looking at could be four or five thousand dollars. You know, and if if you have fifty thousand, that could be a hundred and fifty thousand. You know, as it compounds and earns over years. So I think the perspective should be: this is just not the amount I see today as a thirty year old say, but in another thirty five years, that's going to be X dollars. It's so much greater, and that's why I think before you touch that, you got to have a perspective of what's this money mean to me as I get close to retirement? What's that amount? And I think if people think of it as not $1,000 today or $100,000 today, but $10,000 at retirement, they may be a little less likely to touch it. So I, I would encourage people to, you know, if you have to, if there's friends or family you can borrow from, if you can talk to your landlord about deferring your rental payment, do all those things before you ever think about 401
0: case And my last question is, we have a few people who have been laid off in Las Vegas who are reliant, obviously, in the hospitality industry yeah. that will take some time to recover. What's kind of your view? Because many people will probably return to, to kind of normal jobs reasonably yeah. soon, but for those people who work in say, casinos or, I don't know, the, the person we've interviewed, she's a hairstylist, they won't get back to their full hours and full income very soon. So kind of Correct. what's your insight into that? How, what's the path to recovery for those people who have jobs that are seriously impacted with, by the coronavirus just because of a lot of direct contact?
2: Right. <laughs> Excuse me. That's another great question, Denita, because one of the things that I, that I think... We, we may have to realize as individuals, it, 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 as, as you point out, the vast majority of industries will probably get back to pretty close to normal. But there are, whether, whether that percent is 10% or 15% or 20% of businesses, maybe change long term. It's the nature of this virus. I mean, there'll be things that may not come back. And I think hospitality is one that is going to have a struggle. And there may be aspects of that industry that do not come back. You know, for example, I was, I I listened to the uh, chairman of Frontier Airlines, I think it was about two weeks ago, and he said their bookings for travel had come back to 50% about two weeks ago. Last week, he was expecting it based on advanced bookings to be at 60% of pre-corona, which I thought that's not bad for, we're still in it that, you know, we're starting to come out of it. But the interesting thing is he followed up and he said, however, only 5%. Of This 60% that's been pre-booked is business travel. He said, almost all the travel that's being booked are people going to see family Are people saying, I need to get a vacation. I've been cooped up and I'm flying somewhere. But you, I think business travel is an example in our, in our overall industry that may be affected forever. So there may be less because companies right now are realizing as, as, you know, many of us, you know, using Zoom and Google Hangouts that maybe we don't need to travel as much and businesses are realizing, you know, business is still taking place and we're still making money. We're still conducting, you know, we're still interacting with clients. So why not save those, you know, hotel and air and dinner that we used to pay all the time. And and those may not come back as, as one example. So that's kind of a long Uh, You know, long way of saying that I think there are some industries that may not come back near to what it was before, and individuals in the industries need to take stock of their skills and their talents because they may come to a point where they have to say, "What else can I do?" And the interesting thing about the corona, the downside is that there may be some industries that are affected forever. But the positive side is now there's industries that are arising that are newer that you know uh, uh, there are companies that were in the remote you know interaction social interaction side that are going to be hiring you know the the amazons of the world the delivery companies of the world they're going to be looking for pe- so i think there's some that will be that'll be doing less but there's others that are growing and so to those individuals that are either in las vegas you know in, in the hospitality or work for an airline or a hotel I would say it's a good time to kind of take a step back and and maybe assume in a worst case scenario that long term, my job in, in hotel may not be there. So what else can I do? What can I train for? What can I read up on? Or where else in my background can I apply it to one of these new industries?
0: Thanks so much for sharing this. Is there anything yeah. else I didn't ask you about about that topic that you feel that it's important to mention, talk about?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I I think... The, the one thing, and I think this has been a little bit of, of the theme of, of what we're talking about is, you know, n- not to lose hope. You know, the economy is going to come back. But and, and two is don't do not be afraid to ask for help. You know, whether that's help from family and friends, uh, you know, can, can I borrow something to pay rent or pay the utilities, but also ask help from your financial providers, your your credit card companies, your your mortgage holder, your landlord that's asking for rent. Do not be afraid. It's okay to pick up the phone or email someone and say, things are tough. I've been furloughed. Can you defer my payment for a month or two months? I think it's okay to do that. And people are expecting that. And they'd much rather have that if you're a landlord or if you're a creditor, someone interacting with you, than an individual who just doesn't communicate and doesn't make the payment. That to a company or a landlord is scary. But if you talk to them, explain the situation and ask for, can I have 60 days, they're more likely to do that because they want to keep you and they want to know that in 60 days, there's hope that you'll start making payments again. So, so don't lose hope, you know, turn to families and friends and, and talk to your financial providers.
0: Thanks for listening to Money Honestly by Cash a. If you enjoyed this episode, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. If you're looking for personal finance advice, check out cachet.com. Until next time, thank you for listening.